Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me are February guest co-host Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey, it's so good to have you back. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm I'm lamenting, pun, <laughs> pun intended, I'm lamenting da, the da, fact da. that this is your last time with us. And this, I know, it's so sad. I know. It's like we just got started, just got rolling, starting to get a little chemistry and then... Man, then March has to roll around. We got to move on to somebody else. This is probably the only time that I have lamented February being over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. Especially yeah. if you live in the Midwest like us, right? Oh, February is the worst yes. month. February. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, we have a great interview today, as we always do. Deborah Faleda, uh, she is a counselor and an author and a speaker. Um, and she is going to be our resident counselor for a series that we're kicking off with this episode. It is a series on toxic relationships. Wow. We've gotten a lot of questions about this. Honestly, the past couple of weeks, Aubrey, I have talked with several people who have asked me questions related to how do you deal with relationships that are... Mm. And and maybe they haven't said the phrase toxic, but it's kind of been the thing that has been implied in their question. And I'm like, oh, this series is going to be so good to help you gain some some guardrails for figuring out how to navigate those relationships. Yeah, there's already, I feel like there's already like 10 people that I am I want to send it to. It's going to be so helpful. Oh, so good. So like in the series we've done in the past where we did our you know sexual betrayal series, where we did our mental health series, we have brought Deborah. This is going to be an episode where we just completely interview her. You get to know her. But then the next episodes in this series, she's going to be the resident counselor. So you'll want to make sure you stick around in the next episodes, the three following this, for Deborah's counselor spot where she provides some commentary from a more licensed, trained, mm. uh, professional uh, perspective. And so That's this awesome. is going to be really, really great. And so she shares a little bit of her story, a little bit about uh, some toxic relationships that she was in. And I, I just wonder if you have any comments on on toxic relationships. I mean, you're helping oh. people, you're around, you know, maybe not yeah. in your own personal life, but you're a, you're a pastor, you're ministering to people, yeah. you see it all the time. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I think toxic relationships are one of those really difficult things where you don't really realize you're in it until it becomes super toxic. Mm. Um, at least that's what I've seen for people, yeah. you know, in our ministry, or I'm thinking even in my own life, sometimes there's been relationships that I've thought this is a good friend or this is someone that's safe. And you realize later, oh, wait, that was not a safe relationship. I should have set boundaries at point A or point Mm. B, but instead I waited. Uh, Deborah actually talks about this. I won't give too much away, but at point Z when like everything hits the fan and you're like, I have to get out of this. And, And I feel like I watch men and women, I don't know, allow themselves to be treated horribly or they're not aware of their own issues. They're treating their partner horribly or their best friend or their family member or whatever it is. And so I love that she's actually going to bring some of this stuff to light right. and maybe give people guideposts and um, just some verbiage to go, oh, oh, maybe I'm in a toxic relationship or maybe I'm contributing and enabling yeah. a toxic relationship. What can I actually do? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, certainly you're going to have people in your life whom, you know, you really they're not going to be necessarily a mutually edifying 
relationship. And that's not necessarily a toxic relationship. Toxic, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But toxic is, you know, and and we begin to start defining this as we kind of move through this whole series, but toxic is one that is going to be soul-sucking for you. Yeah, yeah, abusive, damaging, full of anger and rage, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so it is, and I say all that because it can be very difficult to deduce is this a toxic or is this, or how does this, you know, it's hard to step back away from a relationship you're inundated in to go, okay, what exactly is this? What value is this bringing as a whole to my life? Um, whether they're contributing something, you know, directly or or not to my life, or is this really depleting my life? And and it's very hard to become aware of that. Yeah. And then what do I actually do about it? So if, if right. I discover that it is toxic, that this is actually like a damaging relationship, what in the world do I do? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to tackle those things. We're going to talk about how to identify if you're in a toxic relationship. What do you do if you find yourself in one? Mm. How do you counsel or advise others that you know are in one? Because we probably all know friend. We're like, yep, this person needs to hear that. <laughs> you got to get out. Unlike in church, you know, normally in church, I tell people like, hey, um, don't like elbow your friend during this. Why don't you, <laughs> you know, make sure that the Lord's speaking to you personally. Don't be right. like, well, I Look wish at my the husband. plank in your own eye. Unlike that, I'm going to give you permission to yeah. send this this over to somebody that you think, and you're like, hey, listen, this could be you. You could be yeah. in a toxic relationship. So send this series over. Yeah. Um, and then we'll also talk about how to create boundaries around the toxic people in your life because sometimes it's impossible to completely delete them from your life. Right. And so you have to begin to create boundaries. Especially if they're family members or you work with them or right. something you have to keep engaging. But how can you set those healthy boundaries? Yeah. This is going to be a great Ooh. series, Davey. I can't wait. I'm super excited about it. Uh, before we jump into our conversation with Deborah, I would love to read a review from iTunes. Um, and while I'm pulling that review up, I want you to go and rate and review the podcast. So go over there. Maybe if you go and rate review the podcast right now, like in the next like 10 seconds, maybe maybe I can read the review that you actually just submitted. Actually, that can't happen. That's not... Can't happen in real time. It was a good idea, though. That would be awesome if that could happen. I like the concept of it. (laughs) Hey, while he's looking for that review, I want to just mention Instagram real quick. Um, If you're not following us on Instagram, go for it also right now at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, You could comment there. You can like us there. You can find out about our giveaways, our upcoming podcasts. And just like all things, nothing is wasted is there on Instagram. Again, that's at nothing is wasted ministries. That's great. Aubrey, Lauren Cruz said this about the nothing is wasted podcast. She titled her review, giving me hope. Nothing is wasted podcast has given me hope in the midst of one of the darkest and hardest seasons of my life. I love this podcast so much because it gives me tangible evidence that God sees me knows me and loves me even when I may not feel it. Thank you, Nothing Is Wasted Podcast, for giving me hope in a season that has felt so helpless. Ugh. You know, what's what's so profound to me about that is, Aubrey, every time we interview somebody, we pause before we start the interview and we pray. And one of the things I say more often than not is, God, would you intersect mm. someone who is going through a deep, dark season mm. with this interview, yeah. with the, the truth and the hope and the, and the faith-filled conversation that they need to hear right now. And so Lauren, and for others who are listening to this, know that, that God is working. Yeah. He's there. That's right. That, that you're feeling this because the Holy Spirit is moving. 
And that means the Holy Spirit's on the move in your life right now to begin putting back the pieces of your stories, you lean Mm -hmm. into them and to begin to redeem what was lost. And, um, and so I, I just, I just, as I read that, I'm like, wow, this is exactly what we pray for. God is so good. Yeah. God is so good. I love this podcast for that specific reason that it is a ministry. Mm. Hey, um, let's go ahead and listen to our very, very exciting interview that we have with Deborah Faleda right now. Deborah, so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, why don't you do this for us? Because we have probably a billion things we could talk about. Unfortunately, I guarantee you we're not going to have enough time to talk about all of the things we want to talk about. Uh, But why don't you just real quick give us a little bit of a context for you and your family? Where do you guys live? What do you do? And um, and, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, right now, my husband and I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we have... <laughs> you were informing me that, that natives call it Lancaster. <laughs> like natives us, call it La- Lancaster. <laughs> and outsiders call it Lancaster, like I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lancaster and Lancaster. So that's how you know if somebody's legit or not. But we live here, and we have three children, um, and um, we've lived here for about four years now, and I am a licensed professional counselor. And I write books as well. Awesome. Um, now, licensed professional counselor, mm-hmm. uh, did you just decide one day you wanted to get into helping people in this way? Or do, how you've got somewhat of a, a backstory for how you help people. Because you help people specifically. One of the biggest areas you help people in is finding wholeness in their relationships, right? Healing yeah. and wholeness in that. So can you talk to me a little bit about the inspiration behind the career path that you've chosen in helping people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing when you look back at your life and you just see God's leading in in so many areas that you didn't even imagine were part of his plan, were part of the big picture, things that maybe you wouldn't have chosen as part of the big picture. Um, But for me, I look back all the way back to, you know, I, I always loved helping people even when I was in high school and and college. And, but I, but I always say the day that changed my life forever was when I was in college and I went through a breakup Hmm. because it literally changed the course of my life. It changed everything. And I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be focused on the subject I'm focused on. Um, I probably wouldn't even be an author if it wasn't for all the different things that happen. So breaking up with somebody that I had been dating for a year and a half, our parents were supposed to meet that day. Okay. Mm. So, so just, just imagine this, you know, you're you're talking about marriage, your parents are supposed to meet. And the morning of my parents are coming down from Pennsylvania. His parents are coming up from North Carolina and our parents are supposed to meet for dinner. And it's like, you know, when your parents meet, that's kind of a big deal. deal. Yep. That's one more step. Here we go. Here we go, right? And and I just had this unrelenting doubt, you know, this lack of peace, this mm-hmm. struggle that I had felt on and off for a while, but it just kind of came to a head. And so that day, and while my parents were about an hour away, <laughs> I call and I broke up with them and I said, you know, I just feel like this is this isn't the right fit for my life. Wow. And um it's devastating going through a breakup, especially when you think that your life is headed a certain way. Right. 
And then all of a sudden you find yourself at square one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it took me a while to kind of work through that time in my life. And, and one thing I realized looking back at that season is that it was less about the relationship and more about me. I didn't mm-hmm. know who I was. And when you don't know who you are, you don't really know the kind of person who fits into your story from the kind of person who doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. you're just trying to jam this puzzle piece together that doesn't actually fit, doesn't Mm. fit my life. It doesn't fit what God was doing with my life. And so it was the day that changed my life forever because it started me on a journey of discovering who I was standing alone Mm. and God's purposes for me standing alone, my identity standing alone. And I really believe that that was kind of the start of what led me to where I am today. Wow. Wow. You know, it's interesting that you said that because, you know, these are, there's, there's defining moments in our life and oftentimes the defining moments in our lives are characterized by disappointments. Yeah. And in your situation, you know, it's a major disappointment. I mean, all of us can kind of think of if we've either about or if we've been on the verge of being engaged or we've had a really, uh, a relationship that, that, that's gone to that extent, or we did get engaged, we've gotten married. We can remember the moment where we're like, this is it. We're taking the next step. You know, like you just described this meeting your parents. And I can only imagine the disappointment that surrounded the aftermath of that day for yeah. you. And especially in Christian culture, I think that we tend to take dating a little too seriously um, mm. in the sense that I come from the, the, the back in the day, I kiss dating goodbye mentality <laughs> where you just see dating as the end all be all. You don't see dating as a trial period. Right. You see dating as the road to marriage, you know, mm-hmm. like this is what's going to lead me there. And so when, when that plan derails, not only do you feel let down personally, but you're like, did I let God down? Did I let the people around me down? Because here I am. Um, backing out of a commitment mm-hmm. that I guess supposed was supposedly a lifelong commitment because that's kind of how we used to right. see dating, and so all of those experiences and even the the way that I the flawed way of thinking that I had about dating and relationships, all of that stuff God used until one day he said to me, you know what? I want you to help people do this better Mm. than you did it. I want you to help people realize before they get to that point that healthy people make healthy relationships, Mm. not the other way around. And you've got to help people start from the inside out. You've got to help people get whole on the inside out first. And so that kind of launched me into, um, you know, I eventually became a licensed professional counselor, but as a, as a licensed counselor, you can take that in any direction. I mean, I worked with addictions. I worked with Mm. autism. I worked with, um, drugs and alcohol, all kinds of things. But because of that passion that God had put in my heart about doing relationships well and helping people to do relationships well, that kind of set me on the trajectory of specializing in the area of relationships. And so now I consider myself a marriage relationship um, expert. You know, mm. that's that's kind of my that's my expertise at right. this point. And and it makes sense when you look at the story that God was weaving all along. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring up some of these like flaws that were kind of woven into, especially Christian culture in the time that we, you know, grew up. What were some of those flaws? I know you mentioned one already, this idea of like, oh, dating has to be this permanent fixture or at least lead us to this permanent fixture. We shouldn't date or court, as some people would say, right? Shouldn't date or court until we're ready to marry this person. So that was one of the flaws that you identified, but are there some other ones? And then how 
did you begin begin to unravel those for your for your own life? Yeah, well, another one that comes to mind is even how we discuss sex. And mm. it's almost like you told your whole life, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't even talk about it. And then all of a sudden you get married and you have to f- completely turn upside down everything you learned about sex. And now it's good and wonderful. And it's like, okay, wait, my whole life I've been told this is terrible. And now I'm supposed to just automatically psychologically think that this is amazing. Right. And some people don't struggle with that, but but a lot of people I've do struggle with that with transition and, do, and those yeah. feelings of shame mm-hmm. and not really sure how to navigate sex. So that kind of becomes a sticking point for people in relationships mm. as well. Um, so so there's so many different things and and just beliefs, not, not that everybody carries these beliefs and not that every church um, teaches these things either, but but sometimes you just end up with things where where something has bis- been misinterpreted along the way, and it actually ends up impacting the way you do life and relationships. Mm. You said something about um, after your breakup, you had to realize that you needed to find yourself. You needed to kind of figure out your your own identity, specifically yeah. your identity in Christ. How did you go about doing that, and and how do you advise people to go about doing that? And maybe we need to back up and say, why is that so important, first of all, to to do that if you're going to have a, a healthy and whole relationship with someone else? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good question. It's interesting. Um, when I wrote my very first book, I wrote it for people who are single and those who are dating. It's called True Love Dates. It's kind of a play on words there <laughs> yeah. um, from, you know, from different, different movements yeah, yeah. That, that happened years ago as well. And, but the idea of true love dates is that you've got to do three things in order to, to date well. First, you've got to date inward, which is all about dating yourself, getting mm-hmm. to know who you are from the inside out. And then you have to learn how to date outward, which is the healthy interpersonal relationships with others, and then learn how to date upward, which is how does God fit into this story of my dating life and why does he even care? And dating inward is that first piece. And that's what we're talking about. That's the process I had to go through, you know? And just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're healthy. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be good at relationships automatically. Mm -hmm. Like we've got to learn and train just like anything else, you know? And so for me, that started with getting to know who I was and what I brought to the table. You know, like I said earlier, if relationships are like a puzzle, you can't just try to jam two pieces together. You've got to really understand that these two pieces fit. You've got to see the big picture. And you can't see the big picture if you don't start with understanding who you are. Where have you come from? Mm. And how has your past shaped you and the choices that you make and the people that you're attracted to? I think we underestimate the power of our past mm. and, and our family of origin and the way we grew up and what we learned about love. All of those things impact how we do relationships. Mm. So you got to understand your past. You've got to know your identity in the present because you attract the kind of relationship you believe you deserve. And if you're believing wrong things about yourself and about who God made you to be, you're going to attract wrong relationships as well, you know? So you understand your past, you understand your identity in the present. And then to understand the big picture of who you are, you have to also understand where you're headed in the future. What's your vision? Where is God taking you? And is this person going to fit into the direction that God is taking you? Are you moving along the same path? Mm. If you don't think through these things about who you are when you're by yourself, 
you're certainly not going to know whether or not someone fits into your life when right. they come along, whether or not it's a good match. What, what, what are the ramifications if, you know, for instance, uh, let, let me say this, I, I feel like as I see those three things and I look at, you know, people in relationships around me or even decisions I made in relationships, the tendency would be to maybe compromise in one of those areas. Uh, whether it's your past, your present, or your future, and go, you know what? These two don't fit. My pre the present, does, or specifically the future, our futures aren't really aligning up, but I think we can kind of make this work or whatever. What are the ramifications for um, that kind of compromise when you're approaching dating in that way? Yeah. Well, the, the truth is what you see in dating, you're ultimately going to see in marriage multiplied by... A hundred, a thousand. Listen, I mean, marriage, marriage is, is like a, a magnifier. <laughs> yeah. It's a magnifier. It's a pressure yeah. cooker. It, mm -hmm. Everything just goes in and gets harder. Wait, it doesn't just fix everything, Deborah. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's a there's another one of those myths, right? Oh. That this all you need is to find this other person, and you're, you'll have purpose and you'll have value. Mm. We no, we have to learn that the hard way. And um, the truth is that. Marriage doesn't fix those things, you know, and, and I think at the end of the day, if you go into it, having a different vision, a different future, those things are going to, those differences are going to end up pulling you mm -hmm. apart in the end. And, and I always say the opposites do attract, but then they attack mm -hmm. because you know this as a married man. And I know this as a married woman, the truth is the things that really draw you to someone in the beginning, because they're so different do end up causing the most stress and conflict in the marriage later. And, and not that you can't navigate through differences. Mm -hmm. Differences are beautiful. And, and, and we can complement each other and learn from each other. But when your fundamentals are different, mm -hmm. you know, you are on completely different paths. There's no compromise there. You yeah. know, there's no such thing as compromise when you're walking on two completely different journeys. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I unfortunately see the hard end of it. People who are struggling in marriage, people who are moving towards divorce, people who have been divorced, and um, they're just—they've never—they've never been on the same page, mm. and and it's really hard to get on the same page once life happens and kids and yeah. schedules and you know mm. life is life is life is an obstacle in and of itself, right? You know? Right. Yeah, and you're either going to approach it as teammates, you know, on the same page, looking, you know, arm in arm looking out at the world and the challenges that the world has to bring us, or you're going to end up exacerbating the challenges by pitting each other face to face and fighting against each other as well. And that definitely does not help you navigate life's challenges for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it doesn't mean you have to marry somebody who is going to have the exact same career as you. I mean, we're not even mm. talking specifics, but the key is somebody who is moving in God's direction. Mm. You know, like I always talk about the triangle theory. And if you can imagine a triangle and God is at the top of the triangle and you're at the bottom corner and your spouse or future spouse is at the other bottom of the bottom of the triangle, mm. the closer you move toward God and the closer they move toward God, automatically the closer you move to one another. And right. so if, if, if you're married to somebody or dating somebody who's not on that same trajectory, it's really going to be a struggle. And, you know, contrasting to, to that hard time that I went through and the mistakes that I made, contrasting all of that is that I am married to the love of my life today. And, and, and if God wouldn't have um, helped me to see that I was just trying to force something to work, mm. um, I wouldn't 
be married to the man I'm married to today. And I'm so grateful for our marriage. And I've been so blessed by it and the gift of a good marriage. And I think that's where my passion comes from. More than the passion of heartbreak, you know, the mm. pain of heartbreak, I would say I have the passion of a relationship that is the greatest blessing of my life. And and that's what I teach and preach out of because, you know, when relationships have the power to build you up and they also have the power to tear you down, they have the power to bring you closer to God's calling mm-hmm. and they have the power to keep you from it. Yeah. You know, um, I, you said earlier that you unfortunately spend a lot of time with people who are kind of on the, the downswing of their relational strife. They kind of come to your office when they're in trouble. Right. It would be really nice if you could spend all of your time helping people preemptively and Wouldn't you know, it? premarital Wouldn't counseling. It? And you're right, speaking hope and a vision and life into them before they you know, face any challenges. Unfortunately, the way human nature works. It's like need to know basis. It's like, wait, I don't, I don't need to know that right now. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a, in a pit and you're going, okay, I need to know that Deborah. What, (laughs) how do I fix my relationship now? So as you're seeing people and you're seeing these different types of broken relationships, I mean, we've got listeners who are fitting the spectrum of broken relationships, you know, everywhere from marital strife all the way to, you know, um, sexual abuse or abuse in their past or a relational wounding or bitterness, unforgiveness, all these different relational issues that are going on. Is there a way, do you, do you approach each one, each of these situations, although they're different, are there some key pillars that you kind of help people with in trying to, trying to, uh, diagnose what's going on in their relationship and mend those relationships or, you know, bring restoration into them? How how do you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because even though I'm a marriage counselor and I work with couples, usually I don't start with the couple Mm. because sometimes marriage counseling, you're probably not going to hear this often, (laughs) can be counterproductive if you're trying so hard to focus on the problems in the marriage and you're not trying hard enough to focus on the problems in yourself. Okay. Wow. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will come in as a couple and say, Hey, our marriage is blank. You know, <laughs> this is what's the problem. And, and here's what's going on. Or my spouse is doing this or that. Yeah. Usually it's like that. You need to fix him or you need to fix her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it might be that somebody's problem is more glaring Mm. than the other. But where there are two people in a relationship and where there is conflict, even in the hard stuff, okay, this is is always hard for me to say because I know there's so many stories of infidelity Mm. and abuse and addictions. There's some really hard stuff out there, but hear me on this. In any relationship where there are two people involved in conflict in a marriage, there are two people who need to take some sort of ownership of their role in the situation. Even if that ownership is, I'm enabling negative behaviors. I don't have enough boundaries. I don't say no enough. I don't voice my needs enough. Whatever that is, whatever it is, you've got to be able to take ownership. So what I usually do is actually separate the couple and I have them do a few sessions of individual counseling first. Mm. Let's really focus on you before I focus on your spouse. What do you need to work on? What is your area of struggle? How are you handling your emotions and expressing them? 
How are your communication skills? How is your past influencing you? And and maybe there are triggers from your past that are just blowing up all over the place Mm. in your marriage. Let me tell you a story actually that comes to mind as I'm talking about this. I worked with this man and woman and um, they were coming in for counseling and, and there was constant conflict. I mean, like blow up kind of conflict where he would just freak out, mm. right? Rage. And she's the type of person who is a little more quiet and and was just kind of the, the victim of his rage yeah. in this situation. So I said to them, okay, next time you have an argument, I want you to hold on to it and bring it in to your next appointment. Don't fight about it. Don't try to work through it. Just hold on to it. Press pause and bring it in. So they come in to counseling. And the problem of the week was they were gardening outside in the summer, you know, beautiful summer day. They're gardening and um, they're pulling weeds and he's pulling weeds in one corner. She's pulling weeds in the other corner. She comes over and says, you going to get those weeds over there? Because she thought he missed some weeds, you know? And he just loses it. Of course, I'm going to get those weeds. What do you think I am? Why don't you ever trust me? What, why, why can't I do anything good enough for you? You know, why do you constantly nag me? And he just lost it, right? So they're in counseling and they're talking through this situation about her constantly nagging him and him constantly feeling anger and rage towards her. Mm. And so I pull him aside and have some sessions with him, you know? And imagine with me this strong, tattooed, six foot five man who's bald, you know, (laughs) muscles everywhere. Like this guy is tough, right? So we start talking about his life and his past. And I said to him, you know what, just think about how you feel when your wife nags you, that, that feeling, that anger that you're feeling, you know, think about that. Hold on to that feeling for a moment. I want you to tell me, have you ever felt that before in your life, before you were married? He thought for a few minutes and he said, you know, now that you, now that I think about it, when I was young, I used to feel that a lot. I grew up with a father who was a my way or the highway kind of dad, mm. and I could never do anything right. Nothing was ever good enough for him. And eventually our, our conflict came to a head. And when I was 16 years old, I left because he said it's my way or the highway and he wouldn't see my perspective. And I left and I haven't spoken to him since. And believe it or not, this tall, strong man just started to weep because he tapped into that pain from his past, that pain that he didn't even realize was impacting him. But every time his wife nagged him, that trigger was pressed, the reminder that you're not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. You can't do anything right. That same insecurity that he'd carried for so long. And until he could recognize that, no anger management class was going to help him. Mm. No count to 10 backwards, you know, punch a pillow, all that stuff that we tell people, anger management. You know what? That is a secondary option. We've got to get to the root Mm. of why this is a trigger for me to begin with. That's the kind of stuff that impacts our relationships. And that's the kind of stuff that we ignore mm-hmm. and and it, and it impacts our day to day in day out relationship with the people we love the most. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing how um we care we're going to carry us into every relationship that we go into. 
Absolutely. <laughs> as as cliche and as trite as that is, it's like where you go, you go. <laughs> You carry you with you. And so these relationships, you're right. It's exactly what you're saying. It's got to start from a healthy place from who we, we are as individuals before it can lead into any kind of outflow um, of, you know, a healthy relationship. I wonder, Deborah, if, you know, if you were speaking to somebody who is in or they were trying to evaluate whether they were in a toxic relationship or not, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, no matter what, we all have agency in situations and we have to recognize our agency in those situations, even if that means that we're enabling toxic behavior. How right. would you advise somebody to go about um, identifying whether or not this relationship is toxic and if and when they need to step out of that relationship? Now, obviously, being married and, and unmarried, there's two, there's two different conversations right there. Um, at least the the ramifications of the gravity of having to make that decision, you know, in your situation, almost being engaged, if that relationship had been toxic, it would have been maybe a little bit easier of a decision to go, you know what, this is toxic. I'm just going right. to, I'm just going to break up with this person. However, when you're in a, a marriage, it's a little bit more, there's a lot, you know, a little bit more going on there. How would you advise somebody to kind of like walk through that decision-making process? Yeah. Well, let me start by saying, um, for those of you who are married, I do think that a lot of times people have the tendency to go from A to Z in relationships, meaning they do nothing, 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 nothing. Terrible things are happening, right? They do very little. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm out of here. You know, wow, whether that's that really, be yeah, that's really insightful. filing for divorce or mm. I'm just up and leaving, I'm done with this. So I really suggest and encourage people to try to go from B to Y first mm. before A to Z. So, so it starts with, first of all, boundaries are key. Boundaries are important even in a healthy marriage. I mm. mean, you've got to be able to, to know that you're safe and valued and respected and protected. There's got to be give and take in the relationship. You've got to expect to receive as much as you are expecting to be a giver mm. in a relationship. You know, there's so many different things that we have to take responsibility for. Um, but but what is a toxic relationship? So a toxic relationship is a relationship where you feel like you're not being heard. Mm. A toxic relationship is a relationship that's defined by jealousy and anger and rage. A toxic relationship is one where there is deceit and constant mm. dishonesty. Um, a toxic relationship could be where somebody is... Um, withdrawing from the relationship and, and dealing with their unhealthy, dealing with their emotions in an unhealthy way, such as resorting to an addiction of some sort, sexual addiction, pornography, alcohol, whatever that might be. But these things don't ever happen overnight. Mm. You know, the, the, it's usually a gradual process. And the more boundaries we can set, the more we can work on having checkpoints in our relationship and, and, and building healthy conversation and communication, expressing our emotions well, the more that we keep ourselves and our relationship from going to those unhealthy mm. places. But it is important to recognize what a healthy relationship looks like from what an unhealthy relationship looks like. Because for some people, they're so comfortable with unhealthy, mm -hmm. they've grown up with it, they've seen it, that it's easier just to default to what's familiar. Yeah than it is to work for what's healthy. Mm. And you know what's interesting about all this? 
my my entire um, website ministry, my blog, truelovedates.com, started as a ministry for singles because I felt like God was saying to me, <laughs> if you actually want to make a dent in the divorce rate, you've got to start with people before they get into relationships. Mm. Like you were saying earlier, the preventative piece. Like what if we were able to offer that to people and say, hey, here's what you need to start getting yourself educated on and prepared long mm-hmm. before it happens. Right. You know, I don't want to deal with you 10 years after a toxic relationship. I want to deal with you long before you're in one mm-hmm. and help you find what a healthy relationship looks like. And for those of you who are feeling stuck in a current toxic relationship, I think the best advice I have for you is to connect with a licensed counselor figure out how to take steps to set healthy boundaries to keep yourself safe and then to figure out how to move forward in healing Mm. as an individual and then how might that translate over into your marriage relationship as well. I know you are loving this interview with Deborah, which is why I need to cut in for a minute to tell you how to access even more of Deborah's amazing work and thoughts. As you've been hearing in this interview, Deborah just released a new book called Love in Every Season. As a counselor and relationship expert, Deborah is the perfect guide in this book to help you navigate the four seasons that she says every healthy relationship goes through. This book is a great read for anyone, regardless of their relationship status, in order to better recognize the patterns of each season and understand how to navigate each one with intention, which is vital to the health of your relationships. We are big fans of Deborah and this book, and if you want to read it for yourself to see what it's all about, head to nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Again, purchase your copy at nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Now back to my conversation with Deborah. Deborah, you have just released this book um, called Love in Every Season, and you were giving me a, like a brief synopsis of this off air. I'm super curious about this based on what you what you shared with me. Would you would you mind unpacking the the concept of this book? Um, yeah, Love in Every Season. I, this this is fascinating. I want to I want to hear a little bit more in depth as to what this is. Yeah. So one thing I noticed as I was working with couples, you know, I've I've worked with thousands of couples, and I noticed that people tend to pass through these cycles, these stages in their relationships. And and, and I, I call them the four seasons of a relationship. So the book Love in Every Season is essentially, the, the subtitle is Understanding the Four Stages of Every Healthy Relationship. So what are these four stages? Well, they kind of parallel nature. You know, just as nature cycles through these seasons, so do relationships. Mm. And God is so good like that. Like he can just draw these parallels that we can learn from, you know, all through creation. And I honestly, this was really a discovery process for me. I've never spent so much time studying seasons and <laughs> climate and nature, but man, did I learn a lot. And 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 so so we start with the season of spring. You know, the very first season that you you enter when you when you launch into the book is the season of spring. And spring is the season of attraction. Things is the season of growth. Things is the spring is the season when, when everything is blossoming and blooming and there's high emotion and high expectation and, 
uh, you're building a friendship. It's it's that new season, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we move into the season of summer. Summer is the season when things get hot <laughs> and you start shedding your layers. You've got to start really getting comfortable with revealing what you need because summer mm-hmm. is the season of intimacy. And it's the season of emotional intimacy. It's a season that tests your um, spiritual intimacy mm-hmm. and it and it tests your sexual intimacy as well for those of us who are married. Um, and for those who are not married, for those who are dating, you're even tested in that area as well because mm-hmm. you're tested with your boundaries. You're mm-hmm. tested with um, whether you're going to fixate on sexual things or whether you're going to trust God's plan and purpose for sex in marriage, you know? Mm, So, so every season kind of tests your relationship and pulls out things that you need to work on or areas you need to grow in. We move into the season of fall. Fall is the season where your true colors start to shine through Mm. and you realize you're two different people with completely different backgrounds, family of origins, ideas, opinions, hobbies, and, and, and all of a sudden the, the beautiful green is gone and you're like, oh, wait a second, who is this person? Like, <laughs> like we are, we've got a lot of conflict and mm. we don't always agree. And, and you've got to learn how to navigate conflict and communication, and figure mm. out how you handle these things, you know, because there's nowhere to hide in the season of fall. That's interesting the, that, that you call it, that it's like fall because at first when it, when the seasons turn to fall, it's so colorful. You have an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. So you appreciate all the different popping of the reds and that, and you're like, like oh, this is really beautiful. great. This is beautiful. But then as it moves on, you're like, hold on, this is like getting dead. For, I know. This it's is bare. There's nowhere to hide white. anymore. Yeah. Wow. You know? And it's funny, you talk about the colors. In mm. one chapter of the book, I talk about the vibrant colors. And I talk about the problem that I call seeing in HD. Because you know, now that we've got these like sweet TVs, I mean, you can see like drops of sweat on like a football player. It's like, sometimes it's like more than you want to see, you know, (laughs) but don't we do that in relationships sometimes when Mm. we're married and we've been married for a while, you start seeing the nitty gritty. You start seeing things you don't like in your spouse. You start noticing and critiquing Mm. and being judgmental. And and all of a sudden you see way more than you should see. You're Mm. seeing an HD, you're seeing every flaw, every detail, and you've got to learn to navigate through that stuff, you know? So the season of fall can be a really tricky one, but but it can also be a beautiful season mm-hmm. because conflict is an invitation to intimacy, mm-hmm. to deeper connection, you know? And so depending on how we navigate each of these seasons, it's either going to make your relationship or it's going to break it. You're either going to invest in your relationship through each season mm-hmm. or you're going to start to 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 backtrack and 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 struggle. And then wow. lastly is the season of winter. Winter is the season when Things begin to cool down and um, emotions kind of chill out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I call it the season of apathy because sometimes you just get into that routine, the Mm. day-to-day life. You you kind of take for granted this person that God has placed by your side. Um, And people can really struggle with feeling like their relationships are gone, their, their, Mm. their emotions are gone and this relationship is like asleep. You know, like, will it ever resurrect again? Can we ever go back to spring? Like, this is it, you know? But the beautiful thing about the seasons in nature, as well as in relationships, Mm -hmm. is that God didn't intend for us to stay in seasons. Mm -hmm. He intended for us to cycle through them. You know, we're we're not meant to stay in them. We're meant to move through them. And and there is hope that spring can come again. And that's kind of what I hope to kind of leave my readers with who are struggling in that season of winter, that 
spring can absolutely mm. come back again. Yeah. That's so good. There, there does seem to be this cyclical nature of relationships and the fact that even in dead spaces, dead seasons of the relationship, there's, there's oftentimes I feel I hear about rebirth, Mm -hmm. but the question I guess would be, what's the formula for that rebirth? Like if we find ourselves in, you know, we're recognizing, it's so helpful to recognize these seasons like, oh, you know what? I feel like I'm in a fall season in my relationship right now, or I feel like I'm in a winter season, the thing that's so beneficial about recognizing that is going, okay, now I know what to do to kind of cultivate the the dawn of this new season that's coming forward. What would you say if you find yourself in a winter season in your relationship, how do you jumpstart spring? What does that look like? Yeah, that's that's so good. You know, it's interesting when you when you think about the season of winter, it's not all bad, mm. you know. Um, it, it, like you said, it, there's necessary things that happen in winter. Right. The ground freezing is a necessary component for next year for there to be a good harvest. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that are happening underneath the surface even in winter. Winter is that season where you're comfortable and familiar with each other, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how can you complement that with the the strong affection and that commitment that you have for one another. Yeah. And, you know, as, I, as I've been contemplating that, because it's a question that comes up a lot, mm. you know, what do we do? I, I, I turn to scripture in 1 Corinthians, and I see God's word so clearly. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, the one that we recite over and over again at weddings. But then when it comes down to it, we struggle to remember it. But First Corinthians 13 <laughs> mm-hmm. is a list of action words, mm. you know, in order to move back into the season of spring, spring is a season of planting. When you read through the season of spring and love in every season, mm. you're going to read a chapter all about planting the good seeds. If you want a good crop, if you want a That's good great. harvest, yeah. you've got to start planting the right seeds. And so many people just want a quick fix. Deborah, mm. tell me what I can do right now. It does. It doesn't happen overnight. You. It takes time to plant seeds that will create roots, and yeah. those roots will grow into plants that will eventually produce mm. good fruit in your relationship. And it's the same thing. Look at that list in First Corinthians thirteen. All of those actions are not based on how we feel. Right. It doesn't matter if we feel apathetic. It doesn't matter if we feel angry or hurt or bitter. What matters is the actions that we choose to take, the seeds we begin to plant in the season of winter. That's what's going to eventually produce a harvest at the right time. Mm. And I believe in God's faithfulness. I believe in his promises. And I believe that when we are willing to meet him in our action, it takes faith Mm -hmm. to to act, to, to do what God tells you to do, even when you don't feel like it. But I believe he meets us there and he grows good things when we're willing to take the time to plant good seeds I've seen it time and time again in relationships. Yeah. That's so good too that you, you know, really lean in on, on this idea that this isn't an instant fix. There's not, in, there's, you know, we live in an instant pot culture, right? Instagram, everything's, totally. I want it now. Let's, let's get this fast food. Let's go through it. And we tend to try to adopt that in our relationships as well. But to even recognize hey, let's not rush the winter process because winter is there for a certain term and season for a reason. And it's got to accomplish everything it needs to accomplish in the wintertime in order to bear a great 
you know, uh, new birth in the springtime. Mm, totally. One, one thing I say about winter in love in every season is that when things freeze, a lot of times they die. Mm. And sometimes we need to put to death certain things in our life that mm-hmm. are not healthy. We can't carry wow. those things into spring. I can't, like you said, we carry ourselves into our relationships. Sometimes we've got to say enough is enough. I'm not carrying this thing anymore. I'm not carrying this trait yeah. anymore. This isn't my personality. This is sin. And I'm going to refuse. I, I'm asking God to put this part of my life to death here in winter yeah. so that my life and relationship can be resurrected into spring. That's what God does. He's the God of resurrection, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Deborah, um, you've written, what, this is your third book that just came out? Is that right? Yeah, this is. What's the, so the first book that you wrote, True Love, it's True Love Dates, right? Right. And then the the second book that you came out with, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, that book is called Choosing Marriage, Why It Has to Start With We Is Greater Than Me. Hmm. And it's about the idea of... um, really, really a a reality check of selflessness and how hard it can be in marriage. But one of my favorite things about choosing marriage is I surveyed a thousand singles and a thousand married people and kind of compared and contrasted the top eight hot spots that people tend to struggle with in relationships. And I compared what singles think marriage will be like to what marriage is actually like. So it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like a training course of of how to choose marriage and how to move from point A to point B and all of these different aspects that tend to trip people up in marriage such as sexual intimacy mm. um, such as your expectations um, just a lot of different things that I see as a counselor that I felt like would be really important to help people get educated cuz think about this right. when you get married you don't really get an education for marriage, do nope. you? Like my husband is a is an eye surgeon and he had to get 20,000 hours of training in order to get his license to be mm-hmm. an eye surgeon. In order to get a driver's license, you need 100 hours of training. Mm-hmm. In order to get a marriage license, you just walk in the courthouse and they're like, here you go, good luck. <laughs> it's like, what? That's it? No, yeah, no, no training whatsoever? There's a lot of detriment going on to our, in our marriages right now, yeah. You, you don't, you don't really need to know, you don't know what you're doing. Wow. And so I just feel like the more, you know, the better you're going to do. So choosing marriage was kind of my offering of, as a counselor of, Hey, here's what I think you need to know. Here's what's been most helpful to my clients and, and to me. And I hope it's helpful to you as well. Yeah. I love this discussion of, you mentioned several times, this idea of family of origin, and yeah, that's we talk probably about. my favorite word, oh, huh? Oh, <laughs> man. I love it because we talk about it often in the stuff that we, you know, help people with when it comes to nothing is wasted because we know your your family of origin is going to inform how you perceive the world and yes. how you interpret the the input that's coming in, you know, to your world. And so, of course, it's going to inform how you perceive someone else in your life and whatever they, you know, whatever kind of input they're bringing to your world as well. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about, um, if, if a couple is, this is a new, maybe a novel concept to them, this family of origin thing, um, how would they go about kind of uncovering each other's family of origin and what, what would that do? What could that do to really help them, uh, to find a greater intimacy with each other as well, and maybe a greater understanding with each other? You know, here's what's tricky about this, and I'm probably a little biased because I am a counselor, but I do feel like some of this stuff is really hard to navigate 
when you don't totally know what you're looking for. Right. Like, do you just sit and start talking? <laughs> my parents were like this. My parents were like that. I mean, I wh- where do you even begin? Um, That's so funny you mentioned that because we just we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with our small group where we were all just like talking about, let's just talk about the little T trauma that we experienced as like growing up. And it, it's like we were all like defining these undefinables and we we're like, I don't really know what this means, but here it is. And maybe this was little T trauma. I'm not really sure. <laughs> we didn't have a guide yes, that was taking hard. us on the journey. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard. But I guess from my opinion as a licensed counselor, I, it's like, okay, listen, if I have, I'm so, I'm so grateful for YouTube and, um, how my husband can fix anything pretty much almost, almost mm-hmm. anything. Sometimes things get worse before they get better, but so thankful for YouTube and that you can kind of, if you got a plumbing problem, you can watch a YouTube video, but emotions and, and psychology and our past isn't that simple. It's complex. Like you were talking mm-hmm. about trauma. I mean, there's so many things that are complex in how we do life. And I just think it's so vital to invite yourself into the journey of counseling. If you never have before, mm-hmm. um, whether or not you're struggling right now, doesn't matter because like we talked about earlier, ideally counseling is preventative maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's that oil change that you're going, taking your car every three months before it breaks down, right? not after it breaks down. And and if you're already doing well in your relationship, man, can it bring even extra layers of healing and mm-hmm. intimacy and closeness and insight? Um, the Bible says that our hearts are like deep waters, but a person who has insight can draw those waters out. Mm. And so sometimes God gives us the opportunities to draw that water out ourselves and we we can make those connections. But many times we need somebody that's kind of objective, that that doesn't see what's familiar to us. Like I said earlier, sometimes it's just familiar. That's the norm. We don't even realize there's a different norm. Right until we have a different measuring stick. So I just challenge everybody to take time to find a good Christian licensed counselor, someone who's a believer, because you can't leave God's work and God's will out of the equation of becoming a healthy person. Um, But, you know, I know that counseling used to have this big stigma, but I'm thankful to say that I feel like that stigma is slowly going away. Yeah, it is. And in, and in some areas of the country, like when I go to LA, it's almost cool to have a therapist. <laughs> like, yeah, my therapist said, you know, and I'm so thankful for that because I just feel like God is moving and healing our our spirits and also healing our, our souls, mm-hmm. healing our minds, healing our emotions and, and just kind of doing the full work of healing. And, and so again, I am a big advocate for for people getting plugged into counseling. Yeah, that's great. We are as well. We say it all the time that, you know, it's not bad people that need counseling. It's all people need counseling, every single one of us, because you can only see what you can see. And we have so many blind spots. We need, like what you said, other people to draw out the the deep parts of our soul and kind of put them on display for us to go, oh, I didn't realize that was a part of me. Oh, man, let's, yeah, we need to do some work on that one, Um, no matter where you're at. No matter where you're at, even if you're a counselor, I right. I'm a counselor, and I met with a counselor, need and, and counseling I, I have the a, most. <laughs> I have an amazing um, psychologist that I meet with that mm-hmm. has been my mentor through the years. That just speaks so much truth into yeah. my life, and 
uh, what scares me the most is actually the people who don't realize that they mm-hmm. have something to work on. Those are the people that actually scare me the most because yeah. it's like there's no awareness, there's no insight of what of what God is doing and where where He's taking us. Yeah, my um, I, I hope He's okay with me sharing this. My father-in-law, so my late wife's dad, he's a licensed biblical counselor, and I believe he said this on on his episode with us that um, he he thought that in the tragedy of losing Amanda, losing his daughter, he could just take his own counseling experience and apply it to his own life and found out that he himself as a licensed biblical counselor needed somebody else, an objective point of view to, to um, help him apply those things, help him to really draw, help draw those things out because you can't do it for yourself. There's no way. That's the beauty I think of, uh, God putting us in relationship, you know, mm. it's other types of relationships that are really going to help us to heal. We're, we're wounded relationally. And so we're going to have to heal relationally. And that's the work that you're helping people do. And we love it, Deborah. We love what you're doing. Um, how can our folks follow you and everything you're doing and, and tap into it some more? Yeah, well, I have so many free resources that um, I would love for people to, even if you feel like you can't afford a book, there are free resources. You know, I my my blog, truelovedates.com, is full of free articles. And um, my podcast, Love and Relationships, is just episodes of people calling in with relationship questions and we mm. talk through them. It's all free. There's just a lot of resources. There's even, you're going to love this, there's even a... Um, is your relationship healthy quiz? And, and if you're wondering, am I in am I in spring? Am I in summer? Am I in fall or winter? What season are we even in? You can go on my website and take this free quiz mm-hmm. and it will really kind of help you pinpoint what season you're in and what you might need to work on in this season. So lots of free resources over there. And I'd love to connect with you personally on social media as well. That's awesome. We'll make sure to put all that stuff up on this particular podcast page and our show notes. Uh, but Deborah, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know you added a ton of value to our, to our listeners and uh, our Nothing Is Wasted community. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us thank on this. Thank you, and thank you for what you're doing and how you have taken tragedy and um, just allowed God to use it and, and bring healing to so many people's lives. Well, thank you. Hey, that was such a great conversation mm-hmm. that you had with Deborah. I loved it. Ooh, I, I so felt good. like one of the strongest moments for me was when she said, we attract the kind of relationships we think we deserve. Wow. Yeah, that was that was new. That was very novel for me to hear too, because I hear so, you know, so many times I've preached this, I've heard people preach this, you know, this idea of we attract who we are. You're right. But but this idea of like that we that it's not just who we are, but it's like who we, who we think that we are, like what, what identity we are adopting. Yeah. What we think we deserve. And that can sometimes be really unhealthy Yeah. or hopefully if we begin to take some of these tools she gives us, it can, we can attract healthy relationships and realize we deserve something that's good and godly and mutually beneficial. Yeah. That was amazing. Well, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Ryan O'Neill, we really appreciate it. And uh, you can go download his music. Handle Sleeping at Last anywhere 
Music can be downloaded and streamed. It's phenomenal stuff. Their music is so good. Yeah, you said it really puts you in. You're, you're four. <laughs> it just goes to a whole other level. You're Enneagram four. <laughs> oh, man, I'm a four, and that music gives me all the feels. So oh. he is so gifted, and, and I have to time it perfectly. Like when I'm ready to feel all the things, I'm going to turn on <laughs> Sleeping at Last. <laughs> oh, man. Well, next week we're going to continue our Toxic Relationship series, and we have um, a, a new guest co-host. Again, I'm like so sad so about sad this. about this. But this has been an incredible thing to have you on for a few episodes with us. Thank you so much for having me, Davey. This has been so incredible. I love what you guys are doing here. I love having been a part of it. Yeah, so Aubrey, you definitely can't be a stranger to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I know I have enjoyed having you on. Our listeners, I'm sure, have enjoyed having you on. And, uh, of course, they can get a lot more of what you offer, um, you know, in, in your, your books that you – uh, well, the, the louder song, the books that you're continuing to write as well. Yep. And where where can, by the way, where can folks kind of find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I have a website, aubreysampson.com, and I've got my speaking there and information about my books. I have a newsletter that I send out regularly. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at obsamp at obsamp. And I love interacting with listeners, and I've loved being here with you. So thank you so much for having me, Davey. I love what you guys are doing here at Nothing's Wasted. Absolutely. Well, next month we're bringing back uh, Justine Frolker, who's also been a, a favorite of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and she's going to be our guest co-host for that month. Um, but before we jump into uh, you hearing who we're interviewing next week, I'm going to let Aubrey, I'm going to let you kind of give us a little bit of a farewell by, oh, by walking thank us you. through that. I'll yeah. send it out for you. <laughs> hey, again, it's been great to be here. This series, especially on toxic relationships, I think is so important. It's such a powerful ministry. So be sure to tune in next week. We have actually a really unique and um, a special guest, Rebecca yeah. Bender. She actually is a victim of sex trafficking. So that is an episode you are mm. not going to want to miss. Wow. Let's actually listen to a clip now. We got to Las Vegas and the day that we arrived, he took me to a dead end street and he said, I spent a lot of money to get you here. And I, that was money I was using for my job and I need to get the money back. And I said, okay, okay yeah. I, I remember saying, feeling like, I'm sorry I put you out like that. I, mm. I felt stupid. I felt naive for not realizing the expense of a move. Yeah. I felt like the young naive kid instead of this 24 year old man telling me, how much it cost him to move me and my daughter. So I felt, I felt dumb. I felt guilty. Mm. I felt responsible. Um, and so he said, well, I need you to go in that, that room right there. He showed me there was a door. It was a deserted strip mall. It was all gray, no lights, no signs, just a dead at a dead end street. And he said, the door with the camera over it is an escort service. And I, I need you to go in and sign up. Mm. And I said, escort, that sounds like prostitution. And he said, no, that's, it's not, that's not how is that's, Sounds like that's just what it looks like on the movies. Um, this is just like dancing and you've mm. danced before. It's no big deal. And um, this is just how it works in Vegas. This is how they book dancers in Vegas. And I was like, yeah, I'm from a small town, but I'm not that naive. Mm. Like escorts prostitution. I'm a smart, I'm smart, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's when he slapped me across the face. And he said, you're going to go inside and get my money back. <laughs> 